0: A Chat with Finance Malta is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa McDonald. Welcome. Welcome to Finance Malta's podcast, part of our FinTalks series. And today we're going to be talking about fintech and sustainable finance. And here with us from Ganado Advocates is Leonard Bonello, who is the partner for banking and finance and also for fintech. Leonard, I'm really interested to find out just how fintech is actually doing in Malta. Is it on the up? Are we doing well?
1: Yes, surprisingly so, I would add. What we're experiencing is that perhaps we haven't seen so much business as we could have during the post-Brexit era. But now we're reaping the benefits of the fact that we're off the gray list, that uh, there have been a number of success stories of a number of institutions that have set up here and have grown organically quite nicely and are now becoming targets for uh, mergers and acquisitions. Some of them have cross-border listings. So these success stories are then becoming ambassadors for the jurisdictions. And probably I would say digital payments is the one area where Malta is really up and coming and perhaps punching once again above its weight. So we're, um, on a personal level, I'm quite excited to see what the next months and years will uh, will bring to us.
0: We're talking a lot about digital finance at the moment. Is there actually a link between digital finance and, and innovation? Are they, um, they were the disruptors of the past or is it now becoming old hat?
1: So this is actually a very pertinent question. If you rewind 20 years ago, which is not a very long time from a certain point of view, but... If you remind, 20 years ago, PayPal was the fintech around the block. If you speak to people in the industry now, PayPal is considered to be a dinosaur within the fintech community. So it's a very fast moving industry. It's always trying to give something extra. So when they need something, most competitors need to distinguish themselves. And that need for distinction, that needs for specialization is what brings about innovation. Most of the innovation right now, I would say, is actually at removing friction. So since this is predominantly digital payments or digital commerce, what we're seeing is that the biggest attraction is how to manage to, for example, complete a sale with one click less. Statistics about online commerce, there's always this idea that every single click means a chunk of percentage of potential transactions which are not completed due to that additional friction. And now, what this is leading to is what we refer, what the new buzzword in digital payments, which is embedded finance. So I've just been at uh, Money 2020 in Amsterdam, which is the leading event for, uh, for, for the digital payments industry. And everybody was raving about embedded finance, which is ultimately a buzzword to a degree. And when you start dismantling it, it's not that innovative as, as people want it to be. But the fact is that most of us carry payments, carry out payments so easily when we have our taxi, when we have our food delivery, when we have our online subscriptions being renewed, a lot of that friction has been removed. And that I think is one of the key drivers, which is for innovation within the space um, by elimination that friction and making all of these payments as easy as can be, as intuitive as can be.
0: That's all very well and good for the, you know, the businesses and their customers and so on. But... What about sustainable financing? Is it actually going to, to help in any way?
1: So I think the contribution that fintechs have been given to sustainability is that their business model is, I would like to see, to describe it as a lean business model. So uh, whereas perhaps more traditional players in the market depend on uh, an infrastructure, on a network of branches, which is quite extensive, quite a lot of resources going into the real estate around the project, going into papers, into physical files and so on. These new players on the market managed to actually do this in a very lean manner. I think one of the biggest examples, we are all aware of a particular card issuer which has taken the local market by storm and has become the go-to means of payment. They've done it with zero infrastructure in Malta with very limited physical presence other than a number of roadshows but their understanding of the online world and uh, the uh, word of mouth then has actually allowed them to penetrate the market in a way which has rendered them a bit dominant again when you look at it a bit at a distance i can't think of any other business model which has taken industry by storm in a similar fashion without the need for all that infrastructure which we are mentioning
0: and so quickly. And I so mean, quickly the, exactly. The, the rate of change has been phenomenal. And as you say, you know, the next fintech that comes along needs to find some compelling yes. uh, competitive <laughs> advantage to be able to stay there.
1: There's actually a very interesting debate around this because from a, and this is more from a competition point of view. But historically we always see competition as the more players in the market, the better. What seems to be happening with technology is that most of the time it's a winner-take-it-all kind of scenario. So if you want a search engine. And Google has become a word in our dictionary. It has dominated the search engine market by far. If we're looking at online streaming, there is a clear winner in that game. So at a certain point in time, these players are getting to a stage where they, the, their success actually attracts further success. And again, it's very different to even economic concepts we were used to 10, 15, 20 years ago, because in a way, the, their technological advantage and their network to a degree could actually become anti-competitive in nature because of the way they monopolize the market. So perhaps one of the potential criticisms is that we need to make sure we are supervising these fintechs properly to make sure that their dominant position does not stifle new entrants in the market. And I'm thinking now of sustainability from an economic sustainability and from a market sustainability. So everything has its pros and cons. They are doing a lot with very little, but in some cases they can actually become too big and stifle potential new entrants into the market.
0: You're talking about financial sustainability, but what about environmental sustainability? Is there a role to play for fintechs there?
1: I think, that, as I mentioned, the fact that they manage to do so much with so little infrastructure also has a massive impact on their uh, their carbon footprint. And typically, fintechs are also the ones that are most prone to embrace remote working practices and so on. And some of them do not just do it as an HR tool. Most of them are also doing it because of they recognize the fact that working from home or remote working can, in some cases, actually contributing to less traffic less fuel consumption less office space requirement so again th- this this idea that you're doing more but with less resources and ultimately that is what sustainability is all about that you manage to do more with less resources without the need of building something which is very disproportionately large to the services you're actually carrying out one of the things which also needs to be kept in mind is th- that there are also consumer patterns which are driving this i think we're most of the younger generation are now They now want to identify as well with their suppliers. So they're not just happy with getting the The best product in terms of technology. They're not happy with just getting the newest but they are also looking into the values of the products they're using of the suppliers they are using so sustainability is also being driven by these fintechs because their clients are expecting fintechs to be sustainable and they want to be to identify about them so we are now a generation where we're happy to pay an extra bit for our coffee as long as it is ethically sourced and this is becoming more and more a trend there are again tons of um, studies and debates about how employees are expecting more out of their employers because they don't, they don't see it just as a way how to generate income, but they also need to feel comfortable and fit within the value system of their employers. And that same uh, debate can also be applied to fintechs, that their consumers actually want to make sure that they recognize themselves in the value system of uh, the, the suppliers they're using. So th- there is a lot of positivity coming out of this.
0: You talked earlier on about some of these people taking market share and getting to virtually a monopolistic situation. It's kind of a bit of a concern because I would have thought that fintech was something which helped SMEs a lot when it comes to access to finance. Is that not the case?
1: From a financing point of view, the market is still thankfully rather competitive. And even locally, we're seeing a number of local initiatives of banks getting into the space and trying to actually outdo each other. There is a lot of it which is a post-COVID positive effect, which is the fact that um, as part of the European Union Commission package, most of which was driven by, let's drive environmental projects, put financing into environmental projects. Let's use the COVID stimulus package as an opportunity to fast forward into a more sustainable business model that the european investment bank has been for example embarking on a number of projects to heavily subsidize certain financing transactions what i'm also appreciating however is that this is not just however an external drive so it is not just the european commission or the european investment bank and um, that are driving this we're also seeing some of the local banks taking their own initiatives there are banks for example that when you deposit money with them, instead of it being a black box and that then they could be reinvesting it or on lending it to whichever industry they want, they are now guaranteeing to you're making a commitment that those deposits will be used for green financing. So if you are a depositor who's concerned that their money is going to be used to finance the next skyscraper in Malta, they have the peace of mind that it is not an unconditional deposit with a bank, but it is a deposit to finance particular industries which fit a green agenda.
0: Amazing that uh, awareness has grown so much. Leonard, one of the developments over the last few few months has been the commitment to the Digital euro project. Is that going to work? Um, how do you see that changing the, the whole context?
1: All right, so no pressure. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) And if this is being, (laughs) if anybody goes back to listen to this in a couple of years' time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: They'll they'll sit there and they think, what were they thinking? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think everything is pointing towards the fact that the digital euro is the next big step in in this industry. We were discussing earlier, it's amazing how uh, exchange bureaus have practically run out of business. So, uh, and the reason is, and the benefit of that has been that has removed, once again, so much friction. Because friction is one thing everybody wants to avoid in life. <laughs> Whether it is queuing for a permit or uh, or do carrying out an online transaction or actually just traveling from one country to another. That additional step is something we want to avoid. Now, the next step is removing the step of going to, to an ATM machine and actually having potentially digital euros stored onto your wallet, onto your phone. I don't say there are no negative effects to it, but the amount of friction and the amount of paperwork that, redu- that removes and reduces is tremendous. And if, if I had to be the one implementing it, to me, it, it is a bit of a no-brainer. But there are, of course, cultural and generational changes which we need to go through. We are still a country which is heavily reliant on checks. Um, we don't need we don't need it, and there are there, lately there have been initiatives to remove all this dependency on checks, but we are still probably the highest or one of the the European states which uses checks mostly.
0: So, a let alone cash, because I mean cash. we're very much of a cash-based society. So, to me,
1: it's a no-brainer. At the same time, it, we need to be careful that it is not too fast, which would result, which could result in people being financially excluded. I mean, the mechanics of how and the technology behind it is still not fully there yet, but. I am quite confident that we've seen so, so much innovation and so, much, so many initiatives in this page which have made our life very easy that I'm sure that uh, an intuitive manner of how to deploy it can be found to make sure that even for the less tech-savvy people or, or uh, the more conservative people to be comfortable adopting it.
0: Leonard, we are going to make a date to <laughs> meet again in a couple of years to look back and see how all this worked out. Thank you very much for being with us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That's all for today. Subscribe now to the FinTalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.